0: Well, good morning. It is great to see you guys here today. Uh, Today's a little bit different, but we are in a sermon series called Built Different. And so last Sunday we've been talking about how God created men and women differently. And, And so even in the very way that God creates us, it is a different way. He created out of the dust, Adam, the first man. And, and then in Genesis two twenty two it says that uh, God took the rib from Adam and created uh, Eve. And so uh, the word made, the Hebrew word for made can literally be translated as, as built. And so even in our creation, God is building us. He's designing us differently. And uh, the reason are, are multiple, right? How we relate to one another as husbands and wives, as how do we function in the world, equal in dignity and worth and value. Yes, equal in every single way, just built differently because God has a perfect design for men and for women. And so today I wanted to focus our attention on what a, a woman is, needs from her husband. And so I thought, um, I don't know if I'm qualified really to kind of go into that. So I thought I might need some help from some lovely ladies. And so um, I am so thankful and grateful that these ladies uh, agreed to do this. Not easy and obviously a little intimidating, uh, but thank you guys for doing this. And uh, why don't you just introduce yourself uh, before we get started this morning.
1: Okay, my name is Micah, and I have been married to Trent for 22 years. We have four kids, and I'm also the kids director here at Foothills.
2: I'm Caroline Fortenberry. I've been married for 13 years to my husband, Paul. We have four kids, and we're in all different seasons. People say they have the season. I'm like, we have two big kids and two little kids, so we're all over the place, but that's us.
3: And I'm Suzanne Davis, and I've been married to Rod Davis for 30 years, and we have two adult children, a 25-year-old and an 18-year-old.
0: All right. Can we give a little round of applause? Them? Yeah. Don't forget to smile while you're out there in and, 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 uh, a little warm environment here for you guys. So we're just going to have a, a conversation today, and we're going to start from a, a book that is uh, from a Christian psychologist named Willard Harley. And he wrote a book several years ago called His Needs, Her Needs. And so out of his experience in in working with couples, uh, he kind of narrowed down the five basic needs of a man and the five basic needs of a woman or or what a woman needs from uh, her husband and and vice versa. And so we're gonna kind of use that as a guide today. And and those uh, needs are affection, they are uh, conversation, communication, uh, honesty and openness, uh, financial security and family commitment. And so those are the five areas that, that he kind of uh, narrowed it down broadly as, as these, are the, these are the categories that a, that a, that a woman needs from uh, her husband. And so uh, I wanna start with the first one, which is my wife needs affection from me. And I want to read this verse to you as we get started today. It's Ephesians 5:28. Uh, I shared it last week, and, and and I want us to really grasp this, men, as we as we listen today, and obviously as 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 ladies uh, listening today. It says that husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So that is a that is a great love that that we would we would love. Our wife in such a way that, that we, would, we would love her uh, as Christ loves the church, as we, we know we love ourselves, right? And as we love ourselves, as Christ loves the church, we are to love our wife. And so uh, that, that love comes into play here when we talk about affection. And so I think from the beginning here, we're gonna see how men and women are different. Because when I say, you know, a, a wife needs affection from her husbands, guys are probably gonna have a different definition of affection. And so ladies, help us get our minds around what you actually need. So what does affection mean to you?
3: Well, I think affection to me has meant many different things over my lifetime, but there's a song that Torrin Wells sings called Known and that probably reflects most intimately what affection means to me. It means that Rod cares enough to look at me in every aspect and understand what is important to me, what matters, what really motivates me to do anything in life. And in different phases, whether I was a mom or a newlywed or an adult or having adult children, um, he's paid close attention to me over the years and related to me in ways that matter. Sometimes I needed a hug. Sometimes I needed a helper. Sometimes I needed someone to do something kind to me because my children, as teenagers, they're not always kind to their parents. (laughs) So it's, it's been a lot of different things over the years. And I think just to be fully known by Him, like Christ knows us, if our spouses will do that for us, you'd be amazed at how reactive we are, how we will turn into this wonderful flower in your hand that would be anything that you needed if you could just learn to know us the way we need to be known.
2: And it's really not that hard. Yeah, it's not that hard. Did you hear?
0: I'm a little uncomfortable up here. It's not that hard. Okay. All right. So, what, Caroline, elaborate. You know, what, what for you, in, in what ways does, you know, do you experience affection?
2: Yeah, I I love what you said It's different in different seasons. Totally true. So ask your wife, first of all, (laughs) how she experiences affection. But for me, my top two, it comes from the five love languages. If you're not familiar with that, it's been so helpful for me to know myself and my husband. But my top two are quality time and words of affirmation. So when my husband, and this also applies to friendships too, these two, but when my husband um, sets aside time to just spend with me, whether that's us just being and funny and laughing and looking up ridiculous videos, or if that's you know having intentional conversation about like our dreams and our concerns, our feelings, like whatever, or if it's just like check-ins, um, those those really matter. That quality time together, and then the words of affirmation. He has the ability to to put wind in my sails with his words or to take the wind out and he is a great husband. So he really, you know, puts the wind in my cells for the most part. But after this, he's gonna be the first person <laughs> I'm looking to, right? Like, and I, I hope his words are great job, even if it's not, you know, but he, that, I, that is how I feel affection and experience affection in, in those two ways for sure.
0: Yeah, so love languages, quality, uh, time, um, physical touch, Um, There is acts of service, words of affirmation, and then receiving gifts. And so that's from Gary Chapman, Five Level Languages. You're probably familiar with that, but you know, it's funny how we might read a book, you know, several years ago, or hear something about it several years ago. It's, It's funny how we get, you know, sidetracked and forget those things. And we, I think have to come back to some of that basic stuff often in our marriage. Micah, uh, sometimes you know, you've got men who were raised in a family who weren't really um, in a family that showed affection appropriately, right? And so they're, they're now in a relationship with a woman that's like, show me affection. And so sometimes men are lost on that. What would, you, what would you say to a guy who's a little lost on that?
1: Yeah, well, and I understand that it could be hard for men to show affection. It comes more naturally for us. Um, but I, it is so important to women. Um, and it's also a very different definition than how most men are going to define affection. Like you mentioned, um, affection and sex, I'll just go ahead and say are two different things. They're not on the same page. They're not even in the same book. Okay, guys. So different definitions. Um, and then I will kind of jump off of what Caroline said of like, know what your wife's love language are. Love languages are know your spouse's, your kids' love languages, and start there. Most people have one or two. That's how they receive, and generally, it's how they give love and how they show love. So find out what your love languages are, and um, you know, start there. Some women have all five, and they do change because we like to keep you on your toes. Yeah. Um, but I would, I would also just add there, like if you're a father of a of a little girl or a you know have daughters you have to figure this out. If this is hard for you, um, it is so important that you are showing the appropriate amounts of affection to your daughters, because it's not that we get married and we instantly crave affection. It is how God designed us. And so little girls are craving that as well. And they need that. Um, if you're single and maybe dad's not in the picture, um, you know, and I know you know this, but find, you know, safe men that you can, that they can show appropriate amounts of affection to little girls because they're gonna find it somewhere. And so we yeah. want that to be a safe place where they're finding that affection.
0: That's great, good, okay, so that's affection. And so the second area is my wife needs communication from me. And so um, there's good communication, there's bad communication. Uh, talk to me, We'll just stay with you, Mikey. What? what's bad communication kind of tend to look like we have several examples
1: yes so this is just my (laughs) example (laughs) we this is just an example one um but and this might be different for your wife but for me like bad communication would be putting something on our shared calendar and then just assuming that i know what's going on yeah but that's that's bad communication for me because
0: asking for a friend here
1: (laughs) yes Um, you know, communication for us is that verbal attention. And so when you're just using technology, which is a blessing and a curse, right? But when you're just using technology to communicate, like that is not verbal attention at all. So just talk, communicate. Mm -hmm. We do generally, genuinely want to know what's going on in your life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I I think
2: even like thinking about what the bad, so the good would be that we put our technology down um, and we look at each other face to face and we have a conversation and um, you know, our phones are, we have them constantly like worried about everything else, but we miss the person in, front of us, the relationship that's the most important. So we've got to put our technology, turn off the TV, put it all away and do that um, routinely. Like that needs to be an everyday thing, a check-in. I've been told it's not the best question, ladies, to ask your husband, tell me about your day. He doesn't want to answer it. I hear, I don't know why. I love to answer that question, but maybe a better question. He says he's already lived it. He doesn't want to, you know, get into all that again. So maybe what's the, what was the best part of your day or he says it's always helpful to ask something about he's, what he's interested in. So my husband loves basketball. I hear there was a sl- slam dunk contest last night. That's a great way to start a conversation. Like, what'd you think about the slam dunk contest? Whatever. It was awesome.
0: <laughs> Did you see it? <laughs> oh man. So good.
2: But we obviously crave more than that, right? You don't have to stay on the slam dunk contest, but that's a great, that's a great way to love your husband. And then there, he's more open to having those conversations like what's actually, like what's going on? Um, you know, what are you thinking about? Or what do you feel about this? But um, yeah, so devices down and open-ended questions. I think those are two very helpful ways to communicate.
0: Yeah, I think open-ended questions are, are key because how was your day? My answer typically is, it was great, it was good, you know? And uh, that's not really uh, leading to, uh, you know, what a wife really wants to hear. And so kind of getting, getting that open-ended question is huge. Okay, so uh, when a husband doesn't do a really good job, Suzanne, communicating. And you got some wives out here who have a husband who is pretty short and sweet with his communication. What would you say to her? How can she help that environment?
3: I think you just have to keep coming back into them in new ways, and your sons will be the same way. So this applies to your children as well as your husband. And men just don't come across communication naturally. So I think you just reach out to them on a regular basis, ask them questions, continue to ask the right questions. Ask for help, I think that's probably the key sometimes, is if you see effective communication going on in other relationships, gently, kindly, and how you deliver this matters a lot. Bring a mentor alongside them, maybe without them even realizing it. Going to dinner with other couples who interact well, sometimes that's a subtle way of doing that. Um, Putting your children in friend groups where they're around other young men who do communicate well. You know, no two children are the same, no husbands are the same. So what works for one may not work for yours, but continue to try and your attitude matters probably more than anything because we can destroy when we criticize Mm. and we wanna be slow to do that. And and that's our first nature to wanna do because we're being heard, our spouse isn't communicating well with us. So it really matters, you know, how we approach them with this. So be sensitive to that. And I'll always have to tell myself, constantly, because I'm a type A personality, be slow to speak, quick to listen to what they're saying about what matters to them. And sometimes you'll be surprised at what happens.
0: That's great, that's good. And, and I think for, for men out there, this is one of those things where you're actually serving your wife when you suck it up and talk, you know? So it's like, a lot of times we just get frustrated with the questions and the details and I just stop it. I just want to watch. I just want to, you know, chill. And, and so it's like, no, when, when we love our wives as Christ loves the church, that means we turn the TV off or we, we put our technology down and we look at her and we actually talk about our fe- like what's happening in our life and our day. And, and that's a way to love. And when you think about it, that's an easy way to really love her if we would just get over ourselves and do that. And so that kind of leads us to the next section, which is our, our wife needs, um, uh, openness and honesty. So she needs us to be honest and open. And so uh, this one, uh, Caroline, is, is another tough one for men because we tend not to be very open. Um, and so hopefully we we're trying to be honest, but the openness part is a little struggle. So let's go straight to like ladies. How can, how can women create an environment where their husbands are, uh, feel the freedom to be open and honest?
2: I think we should all just admit right now, we've probably learned because we've done it the wrong way. So let's we'll just say that. <laughs> um, but I would say something God's been teaching me recently is. We need to commit to that in our marriage. The word I would say, vulnerability. We need to commit to being vulnerable to our husbands, regardless of if he's giving us back what we hope he will, if he's reciprocating that, because it's God's design. So we are intimately known by our creator. He designed us to walk in fellowship with him and experience intimacy and fulfillment in him. And that's what's supposed to happen in our marriage. Obviously there's brokenness and sin, so we we struggle there, but that's the goal is to is to live out the way that God designed marriage to reflect our relationship with um, with God. And so I think sometimes it's easy for women to feel like, well, I'm not getting my needs, emotional needs, he's not open, vulnerable, so I'm going to find that in something else, and it could be in a you know emotional affair, which would be worst, right? But it also could be in your best friend and that you tell her more than you tell your husband because she receives it and she plays off of it and she has the emotions like you want. And so that feels better, but it is worth fighting for. Your best friend should not know more about you than your husband. You're created for intimacy with him. And so, um, that, that'd be number one. And then, the, the second part I would say is when our husbands are open and honest with us, that we don't um, criticize or try and fix it or his feelings that don't match up with what we think they should be or nag or that just shuts him down and we've all done it and we need to apologize every time because that shuts him down and that's not your goal. You want intimacy. And so we sometimes have to say, I'm so sorry I did that. Can we try again?
0: Yeah, it's good. Um, now in that, what if, what if there has been a loss of trust? And I know this is like a, an, a really hard question, but how would you guys say that, you know, a woman can allow trust to be built back up and, and how can a man begin to earn that more? That, that can be to anyone.
3: That can be a tough question, depending on what the broken trust is. So I think there's a lot of, um, a lot of things that can go wrong in our marriages. You can lie about finances. You can do the ultimate and lie about an an affair. Um, And on and on and on the list goes. So I think you need to address what the broken trust is. And then I think there has to be a willingness at first on the person who wronged you. And there has to be a heart change there. But while that's going on, you, the person who've been wronged, who the trust is broken, you have a growing territory here. You're gonna learn a lot about yourself if you'll just look to God and look to what he calls you to be and how he loves you and what that's supposed to look like, healing will come for you, independent of what your spouse is doing and your relationship with Christ will strengthen. And oftentimes we see broken trust as situations to end our relationships. I think 30 years into marriage and being almost 52 years old, that it is a crossroads to grow deeper in who you are as a person. And it's more about the person who's wronged maybe than it is the one creating the wrong. Because it's only in the fires in life that Christ grows us. It's through walking through that fire that we grow as individuals in Him and we're refined and we're up on that potter's wheel, letting Him mold us when we can't mold ourselves. Mm. So it's really hard stuff going on. And if you'll let God do what he needs to be doing in you and not try to manage what's going on in that other person because only God can do that. And only that person has to want repentance and change. So you have a lot of work to be doing on your own and just keep looking to God. You know, stay in constant prayer. I've talked to a lot of women over the years, um, leading in the youth and having other opportunities in front of me. And I, I think the best thing you can do is just crawl up in the arms of God when trust is broken and you need to and let him walk you through the fire, pray your way out of it, and remember who you are in Christ.
0: That's good. And I think, you know, for, for maybe a man who's broken that trust, it is important that there is real true repentance there. Uh, you know, when you say you're sorry, it's not just, I, I said, I, I'm sorry. You know, it's like, no, there's like a brokenness within you. Like, okay, I'm, I'm repenting first and foremost to God. And 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 I'm receiving his forgiveness. And then I'm 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 extending that to my my spouse, you know, whether whether it's a really, really deep issue or or even just in a small blow up, uh, you know, I'm really sorry for that. You know, those kinds of things are are huge. Um let, let's move to the, the next one. The next one is my wife needs me to provide financial security. And so I wanted to read a verse here. First Timothy five eight says, If anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And so, as a husband, we feel that pressure. We are we we're called to you know support financially and provide uh, for our fi- our family. And so, uh, how can uh, you know when when we look at this as you know from your perspective, what, what does it really mean to be financially secure in in y'all's eyes?
2: It doesn't mean that you need to be rich if that's what husbands are wondering i don't know maybe that's your first thought it does not it it means that we need to know that there is a plan there is a there's a vision for how we're going to use the finances that god has given us and that we are a team on this plan so practically a budget and then not just a budget that's like over here and you like get mad about it because you're not meeting it or whatever but like that you have a budget that you both are very aware of that it's it's the there's goals that you have financial goals and that you're having conversation together not just one person saying you know well you you spent too much here you spent too much here this is what we're trying to do but it's a well you know you know, just back and forth. It's it's a team endeavor. And so I think about sometimes we don't, as, as women, like we want, I can only, I can't speak for everybody, but sometimes we want to, we want to stick to the budget, but we don't really even know how to stick to the budget because it's an over here thing instead of a um, you know, maybe a check-in weekly or whatever that looks like. And so we're afraid we're overspending or we're afraid that we're, you know, whatever, not meeting the expectation. And so just it being a, um, a we come up with it together and then we have conversations together about about it. But yeah, financial security, it does not, it just means that you're living within your means and you're working together towards the goals that you have, um, so and that can be different in different seasons, which is why communication is so huge. Yeah.
0: So. So if, uh, if a wife feels like her husband's not doing so well in this area, how, how can she maybe, what, what would you encourage her to do?
1: Okay, I think that first of all, I think, I think it starts with appreciating, um, you know, the work that is happening in the family. And that's for both sides, right? I think you start with Um, saying thank you for the hard work that is happening. And you might think that they're working too hard or he's working, you know, way too much. Um, but starting with recognizing that it could be because he is trying to provide for the family. Maybe it's that, you know, you guys are living beyond your means, um, and that you're not agreeing to and sticking to a budget and, and living within that budget and checking in and making sure that you are, you know, spending wisely and just, you know, spending your money wisely, being good stewards of your money, um, and agreeing on how and where that's going, I think is huge.
0: Yeah. Would you add anything to that?
3: Well, I think one of the things I might add is it's a little unique in our house only because I'm an accountant by trade. So team matters a lot. So sometimes God puts us together with someone who's our polar opposite. And sometimes it's okay if it's the ladies that might lead in the budget area because your husband's leading in another area, you still play team. But it might look a little bit different and that is okay. It doesn't have to hit a traditional way of doing things. If it works together on your team that someone else takes charge of that because they're better at it. My husband is a far better cook at our house. It is a known fact that he does all the cooking. He's always been good at it. We learned that a year into our marriage. So I just embrace diversity and don't feel like you've gotta be through a, a certain way. We don't need to be cookie cutters of each other.
0: Yeah. That's good. That's really good. What, what does he cook that's really good? What does what uh, what we... he
3: not cook that's good? Okay. <laughs> yeah, everything.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm free on Wednesday nights. Um, <laughs> number, number five, is, as we, you know, can, oh, let me just say this. Financial Peace University uh, starts this, this Tuesday. And so as you've heard, there's a lot of communication. There's a lot of same team. There's goals. There's, there, there's a lot of pieces that, that fall into play. And as Mike has said, there's usually a, a spender and a saver. And so the differences kind of clash. And somebody who loves Amazon boxes on the front porch and Target and, and who, you know, that could be the guy, could be the lady. And so uh, a lot of us just have never been taught. And so uh, I want to encourage you, if you've never gone through that, it is not just a get out of debt. It's really how to not only manage money, but also build wealth uh, once you get to week, the, the final weeks. And so I uh, encourage you to, to, to do that. The, the final one is a wife needs me to commit to the family. So this is a, this is a big one, right? My wife needs, needs me to commit to the family. So again, in Ephesians chapter five uh, says, and, and you husbands show the same kind of love to your wives as Christ showed to the church, when he died for her to make her holy and clean. And so again, uh, as I mentioned last week, uh, men being the the spiritual leaders in our home, right? So what what does that look like? And so ladies, what, what does commitment to the family really mean?
3: I think commitment to the family means what Caroline said a little while ago, you're on a team together and you're making a plan together, not one making the plan and dictating to the other. And so if one of you is going to be the homemaker and the other one's gonna work or you're both gonna work, I think that you do that in unity and everyone is always guiding the ship together, not um, complete. and the wife should submit. We'll talk about that in a minute. So I wanna be careful what I say there, Um, but just be very careful about doing it everything together when you commit into the family. If not, someone will feel slighted and that goes for the children as well. I think that you, as your children age, I can remember our daughter saying things at 10 and 11 years old and she didn't say it really nicely, but she was really hitting the nail on the head with what she was trying to tell me. And I think that listening to your children is important too because they don't really come with owner's manuals. I really want to talk to God about that one day. I should have had owner's manuals saying to operate optimally, you do A, B, and C but but it doesn't happen that way so i I think a lot about that about listening to everyone on the team
0: That's good and you know we mentioned earlier how you know financially a man really feels that burden and pressure um, and we're really driven by achievement and accomplishment and so that's why we love work and we want to to, to gain appreciation and kind of recognition from our peers we want to be you know, rewarded financially for this work. That's a huge part of who a man is. And that's why the tension in families a lot of time is I'm, I'm working so much that I'm not giving the attention to, to, the, to the family that I need. And so when you go home and have this conversation, a lot of times it is, well, for a man, this is my dream. This is what I've been chasing. And, and you know, this is what I'm going after. So does committing to the family uh, mean that a man has to give up his dream?
2: Maybe, <laughs> um, <laughs> it may, hey, is that what you wanted? I don't know. But <laughs> honestly, all of us as Christ followers are to hold our dreams like this mm-hmm. because our dreams are nothing compared to what God has for us. Sometimes they're in line with God's will for our lives and sometimes they're not as good. They're never better than, I promise. God's ways are always best, they truly are not, and they sometimes hurt, but they are always best. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, maybe, maybe you are supposed to give up your dream if it's not what God has for you. I think that is, there's not like a black and white. If you work this amount, you need to quit, whatever. But if you're not able to invest in your family and be intentional, um, pointing your family to Christ, loving them, then yeah, there, there does need to be a change. And for a woman, we have to recognize that is a that's not like a, okay, quit, we're done. You know, that's like a oof, feel the weight of this with him. he He's a provider. He wants to be, he, he he's loving you that way. But also as like both husband and wife are called to raise up the children, to disciple them. And so that's gonna look different in every family. But once again, maybe, maybe you are going to be called away from, from your dream, but God's way is better. And I think about in our family, this is not the case for everyone, but this is our circumstance. Paul did have the man's dream job. Like he, he covered UT football. He was at all the practices and all the games. And then when God called us to adopt Markel and Kiana, it was like, I don't think that's what you're supposed to be doing. Like it, he, he's like, I don't think this is what I'm supposed to be doing. It was a together decision because when they got home from school, he left for practice on the weekends he was home. He was at, or on the weekends they were home, he was at games. And so there was a, okay, God, like, how do I, how am I gonna be intentional with now a family of with kids too? And God called him away from that career, but it has been good not always easy, but good. And so I think we just have to hold our hold our dreams like this. It reminds me like when Jesus says to be a follower, to follow me, means to deny yourself, to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me. So not just dreams, everything we hold with open hands because we believe God's way is better.
0: Yeah. Okay. So after that, that one hit hard, um, Micah. So maybe a wife is like, he needs to quit his job and stay home. And, you know, what would you say before she goes and, and you know, throws that at on him? How, sh- how should she approach that? Like, wh- what's, a, what's a way to have a conversation? Because it, it may not mean that he needs to quit his job. Uh, maybe they just need to have a conversation. And so what would that look like?
1: This is tough because I think there's a lot of different situations that we have to think about and consider when we're Answering this question, but because there are a lot of jobs who require both men and women to travel. Um, there are a lot of jobs that require you to work really weird hours, right? And so some things are just going to be out of our control. Um, but I think that, you know, obviously, like when you are home, you need to be intentional and you need to be engaged with your family. So if your job requires you to travel, when you're home, you're engaged with them and you're, you know, helping you're you're invested in the time that you do have because it does go by so so quickly and then you have those that have more traditional hours and i think sometimes it's even easier for us to get you know distracted at home that's men and women that's moms and dads um, so just being engaging with the family and committed to um, being present um, but then ultimately i think we cannot control and change anybody right so i think I think like as hard as I want to change Trent in some ways, I cannot do that, right? That's God's job. God is the one who changes people, not us, not me. Um, And so my job then is to communicate and tell how I'm feeling, you know, the things that I might need from him. Um, And then obviously I'm praying. I'm praying for, you know, God to to work in both of our lives and in both of our hearts, because I can't, no matter how hard I nag or complain or gripe and complain, um, that's gonna shut him down. That's not going to change anything.
0: Yeah. So I think that the big thing there is like, there needs to be a commitment from the man to, to be present. And um, there's just conversation around time, you know? And so uh, that wasn't a decision you guys made overnight. That was many, many, you know, weeks, months um, that that happened. Um, I want to read this because I, I think, as as we talk about sharing the responsibility of of the family in Ephesians six four, it says, "Fathers, do not overcorrect your children or exasperate your children, in some translations, or make it difficult for them to obey." Bring them up with Christian teaching and Christian disciplines, and so sharing the responsibility as a man that, that's big. This doesn't always come naturals uh, to dads. So uh, what, do, what what do you really need in this area for, for the dad to you know as a, as a father teaching and training and, and being the spiritual leader in the family?
1: Um, I think I think that it's important that we recognize that our kids need both. Father and mother they need those because if if one side let's say i'm the one that's making all the decisions and i'm the one that's parenting, my parenting style is so different than Trent's, and what our kids need um, they need both of us they need both of us invested in and in, you know pouring into them um, because you know by nature i 'm just more gentle most women are, I would say um, and so my parenting style is different. Um and if I'm constantly if I was constantly telling our son to be quiet, be still, be, you know, don't get dirty, all those things that I you know, I think that's are those are great things. But um I'm squelching his need for adventure that comes more natural for you. You know, and I think Jordan Peterson says it well. He said to let let your kids do dangerous things carefully, right? And so for him, that comes way more natural for him than it does for me. Um, and so our kids need both, mm-hmm. both parents. Would you add to that?
3: I think just to add to that, healthy balance is what you're looking for between both parents. No matter who offers what, that helps. keep The kids get everything they need that way.
0: Yeah, and so how how can a, a woman really encourage her husband to fulfill this role if if she might feel like maybe he's he needs some growth in this area? And I think all men do, by the way, ladies. All men need growth, e- even even me. And so you know, for us, it's like just because I'm in ministry, we're not you know singing kumbaya and hymns every night before we go to bed. Um, and so it's a struggle, you know, even for us. So what what would you say would, would be helpful?
3: I think maybe the first thing I would do, kind of like what I said earlier, is a mentor. And that goes for us women too, we need mentors. Life coaches, what, a counselor, whatever it is you choose. You need someone to come alongside you who's done it well. Don't just choose anybody. And girls, stop listening to your girlfriends like Caroline said a little while ago. They're your age, they don't have it figured out. So they're not gonna give good advice. You don't wanna rely on it. <laughs> uh, statistics say they're gonna get it wrong. So I think you need to look to, to God and then look to someone else who's trying to live a godly life that has done it well. Um, that has been the most benefit to me is let pulling women into my life and this goes for men as well that know what they've done I've watched what they've done and I see how successful they've been with their children or with getting their husbands to do certain things and then let them teach you how that happened it may not work the same in your house and you may find you need another mentor or another helper but they're out there there's women everywhere who are willing to help you come alongside and the men the exact same thing that's how you learn to do anything is by getting someone to help you quality help
0: all right quickly now what are some practical ways uh caroline that a man can be a spiritual leader
2: quickly um let me list them off okay i so okay so for 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 the woman like our role in in that would be to ask god to help you see and look for who he is. What are his gifts? I love how you mentioned, like sometimes your family doesn't fit the normal, like usually the girl's good at this and the guy's good at this, whatever. So I imagine that being a spiritual leader in our home, was gonna be that Paul Paul sat down with the scriptures and he taught through verse by verse. And that's what the spiritual leader is gonna look like. <laughs> that's not what happens. Um, he loves God and loves the word, but he is not a teacher. That's how my brain works. And so I I remember early on in, in marriage, someone telling me, I want you to write down everything that you see and appreciate about your husband and encourage the heck out of him. And so that I feel like has stuck with me. And, and so when I look at, at Paul and his being a spiritual leader in our home, I see like God made him a joyful man, right? And God is the God of joy. And Paul brings that into our home, like the joy and the laughter and the fun that he brings into our home. He is setting the culture and leading, leading us um, towards God. And so he's a question asker. He asks our kids questions, and and not just you know not just what have you been reading in your Bible. That is a good question, but tell me you know tell me what's been going on. Tell me about basketball practice. And then leading that in a spiritual way, and and having spiritual conversations with day to day activities. And so, yeah as women, I think our role is to stop looking for everything he's not doing or what you think he should be doing and to speak life into him, how God has uniquely gifted him, speak into that, encourage it. And, and he will want to keep growing and he will grow because God's committed to that. And because that's how the Christian life is like God grows us and we take steps and we grow. And so yeah, focus on strengths. Good, and right? so
0: as the man's the spiritual leader, you know, the one area I talked about last week is just submission. And so that's a, that's a word that a lot of times, um, people get hung up on and stuck on. And so close us out with, with what that really looks like for a woman.
1: Yay. Okay. So the in 30 wo- seconds, <laughs> 30 seconds. Um, yeah, the word submission can leave just a bad taste in our mouth, but I think it's because we don't know how to define what marriage is and it's so important. It's so important guys that we understand the the biblical worldview of what marriage is and how God defines that and how God sees that. Um, It is a beautiful picture of Christ and the church and it's a mutual submission. And so in a marriage, it is mutually yielding to one another. And when you truly do love someone, you are going to submit to them you know equally and it's going to be it is a beautiful thing and you do it over time and in many different ways
0: um, different different ways and it lo- looks and feels like maybe maybe in finances it's like okay i don't know as you're really wise in this area so what does that you know what does that look like and so it's the it's it's a guy doing that and then you know vice versa and i think I think where it gets blown out is when people abuse or misuse the scripture and make it, you know, turn it into an authoritarian type role. And that's authoritarian role is not, not what the scripture is calling us to. And, and so ladies, thank you so much. You guys did so good. Can we give them a round of applause? And as we, as we talk about the greatest needs that a woman has, uh, the greatest need, uh, ladies, that you have, is to be submitted to Jesus Christ. The greatest need, no matter how great your husband fulfills these roles, uh, he's not gonna do it perfectly and he's gonna continue to struggle. And so perfection is not what you're looking for. Maybe growth, but not perfection. And the only person that can ultimately meet those needs is Jesus. And so I wanna close today just by uh, calling every single one of us, men included, like if you want to If you want to do these things, if you want to grow in these areas, the motivation to do that is Jesus. To be able to lead spiritually, to be able to have the desire and love to want to care for our wives in these ways and love her in these ways comes from our commitment to Jesus. It comes from knowing him and loving him and and, and, and wanting to serve him, being committed to him. Christ died on the cross for your sins. He, he died not just so that you could be a good person. He died so that you could be saved, redeemed from your sin and have a relationship with God. And so every marriage in the room, every single person who wants to get married one day, you're looking for someone who is submitted to Christ and someone who is committed to Christ. And so um, my encouragement for you today is if that relationship isn't there, then go to our care and prayer room and tell someone you need to give your life to Jesus. And, the way that we wanted to end today, I wanted them to do something special. And so what what I want to ask you to do, and this is going to be a little uncomfortable, but you know, I've been seeing revivals at Asbury. I don't know if you guys have been seeing that, Uh, seeing revivals at Lee University is kind of breaking out, Samford, Cedarville uh, University, all these young college campuses, God is doing something. And so, man, I want it to come here. And uh, we want to close today in prayer. And uh, what I wanna ask you to do is every single woman here, teenager, um, adult women, I wanna ask you to come forward and, and, and pray here at the front. There's plenty of space. You can kneel, you can stand. Either way, I wanna encourage you to come and do that. I know that's gonna be a little awkward or uncomfortable for some of you, all the way from the very top to the very bottom here. I wanna ask all of us to just stand now And then ladies, if you would make your way forward now, we're gonna pray over you.
1: Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for these women, for these ladies that are in this building, for the ones who are in the building next door, for the ones who are watching online, God, I am praying blessings over the single, the married, the young, and the old. God, we are your daughters, and we are so grateful for your love, for your affection that you show to us. God, thank you for how you love us. And I pray that we would all start with knowing who we are in Christ. God, knowing... Um, how you love us and how you reveal that, how you communicate that to us. Father, thank you for giving us your word. May we fall in love with that, God. May we fall in love with you. God, would you please start a revival in our hearts and in the hearts of these women that are in this room? And would you um, just bless them, God, bring blessings upon blessings to them, God, and help us to just love you and serve you, and to be more and more like you in the ways that we show affections to each other and the way that we
2: communicate with each other, God. Father, we praise you. We love you. We know that you are the source of life. Father, we confess that we try and find that um, fulfillment and satisfaction in our husbands and our children and our best friends in so many different ways. God, we confess that and we don't want it. We want more of you I pray, Father, we ask for your spirit to do what only your spirit can do in our hearts, God. Make us more like you. Make us women who love you and love each other. God, I pray for our marriages. I pray for vulnerability. I pray, Father, that you would help us to communicate well to our husbands, to um, respect them as we talk. But Father, thank you that you have made us equals and on the same team and that that is your precious design. Help us to live that out. I pray for the the financial aspect of marriages. God, that can cause so much turmoil and there is nothing our enemy wants to do more than to destroy our marriage. But God, we believe in you and we believe in your power. So I pray for these women and anything hard as we all have them. Hard things going on, Father, that we would submit them and run to you and ask for you to be the one that meets us there and changes us, God. Um, We love you and we believe you.
3: God, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would rain down on every woman in this room and men alike, God. The renewal that comes, the commitment to our families, the refreshment that comes from only you, that we will be fully known by you know all that we are in you and that we will recommit our lives to you God and that you will show us in the days ahead exactly what you want us to do help remind us keep the devil at bay God keep him far from us keep you in the forefront of our minds forefront of our husbands pray for them unconditionally love them no matter what they may have done God give them the opportunity to do all that you mean for them to be let us allow them to do that as women empower them and love them like you love us. Let us reciprocate that love back to them. Make our new commitments to our children and everyone that we touch in our lives. We pray that you would be with us throughout the rest of this day, amen.